Welcome back to Energy Explain, the family YouTube channel and podcast where we take stories from the headlines in the energy world and we distill them down. And I do that here with my father, Vikram Rao. He comes to us courtesy of the Stanford Engineering Program. He holds a PhD in engineering. He also was the chief technology officer of Halliburton. He sits on the board of energy companies. And so he speaks with authority on both the science of energy and the business of energy. And today we're really going to dig in more into that topic on the business of energy. So last week, we talked about the Exxon board fight and how activists investors got two board seats for, quote, independent board members that are really supposed to guide ExxonMobil to ventures that are more forward-looking and more into green energy than they had previously planned. The New York Times subsequently wrote a story which said this is this is more than that one board fight. This is a movement that investors are demanding um, companies uh, broaden their portfolio and bring in investment, major investments around the broader space of, let's say, green energy. But let's let's dig into that. First, I'll ask you, is this a movement? Are you feeling that? You're, you're plugged into the industry. Are you feeling this idea that it's a move? This Exxon thing was a huge deal. Is it? But if you had on the spectrum of one off to movement, where, where do you sort of sit right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the I would say if this had happened uh, three years ago, I would have said it's a one-off. Okay. Uh, what's been happening recently, and I expect to continue to happen, uh, is that uh, the climate is changed, the techn- technology climate is changed to where things are much more feasible. Uh, mm-hmm. And we can, we'll get into it. In fact, we may have to get a little bit a little deeper into technical stuff to to give the listeners a, a true feeling of why I f- feel that way. But I would say that I, I'm well versed in these things, and and I might even risk using the word tipping point. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, I I don't like phrases like that because uh, they're overused, but. We might be close to a tipping point on capture cost, okay, on the mm. cost cost to capture CO2. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff. Once you capture it, you got to do something with it, got it, okay? And each industry is a bit different in, in as much as how much does the capture co- capturing per se make a difference on their greenness. Uh, but having with all those caveats, I would say that the these investor groups, you know, Vanguard, BlackRock, and so forth, who've seemingly put their faith into the possibility that companies can go greener as well as continue to make profits, uh, yeah. is more real now than it used to be. Okay, so let's let's I'll ask you a higher level question first. So when you think about tipping points and we look at in industry landscapes. They happen in a couple ways. One way is that the incumbent firms are not really part of the equation 10, 20 years on. I'll give you an example. They're around, but they're not. So, for example, in handsets that you use cell phones, right? Biggest manufacturers in the 90s, Motorola, Nokia, 
biggest manufacturers today, Samsung, Apple, right? Why smartphone revolution happened, Samsung and Apple at the forefront of it, Motorola, Nokia, not so much. They're lagging behind. Now they're, they're still in the market, but they're no longer the market leaders. Do you see what we're seeing now in terms of carbon capture? In terms of this, these, these, this tipping point, do you see the incumbent big energy firms as the leaders, okay. or do you see startups? Do you see upstarts as the leaders right now, technologically speaking? Yeah, I would say both. And to okay. dig into that, let's look at the two buckets uh, by which we companies can go green. One bucket is where you basically change the process. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the change the process bucket uh, is the is one of the likely ones for upstarts. Uh, okay. An excellent example is electric vehicles. To electric yeah. vehicles change the process, you change, you go away from burning hydrocarbons for motive power to using electricity. Uh, yeah. And and Tesla uh, jumped in is arguably the leader, uh, right. and they came out of nowhere. Okay, so. Uh, and also some of the key enablers for that are battery companies, uh, and they could be upstarts as well, because right. uh, General Motors is not a battery company, okay, yeah. uh, uh, and doesn't strive to be one. So, it, that, so the areas where the process changes uh, is the best likelihood that there be a change in the, uh, in the lineup, if you will. Okay, uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so that, that's one. Uh, the other uh, bucket is where the process remains essentially the same, but you capture the CO2 and put it away. Yeah. In yeah. that case, the original folks will, will probably continue to be uh, the operators of the capture, but uh, almost certainly the technology for said capture would be provided by probably upstarts. Uh, okay. Uh, so, and that the way it'll shake out, and I'm thinking about where it's happening in a couple of places, the way it'll shake out is the upstarts will be what will be the service company and the original people will be the operators, if you will. So in oil, in oil and gas, for example, uh, the people who own the oil assets are called operators, uh, but all the real work is done to drill and so forth done by service companies. So that sort of model would probably gotcha. happen here. Yeah. Now, we talked about carbon capture and we talked a little about the business side of it. And it, the, the business side of it requires carbon taxes or, or caps, right? Uh, if you're capped or if there's a tax on production, it means you'll pay to reduce your output. If there's not, you won't. I mean, you could if you were altruistic, but we've talked about it depending on the altruism of firms. is not a long-run good bet for change. So when you say tipping point, is it because your belief that at the current, for example, in Europe, carbon tax or free market trading value of a ton of, uh, a ton of carbon are now it's going to be the case that, hey, capture is below planting trees. Capture is below every other technology out there. And therefore... Um, all of the big ones will say we can just cap, we can just keep producing natural gas power plants, for example, and capture instead of having to worry about alternative energy as much as we thought we would have, hey, say, ten years ago. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. In fact, uh, the last statement you made 
put a finger on one of the issues that an extreme left would take, which is mm. that if you can do capture economically relative to the carbon price, then industry is emboldened to keep on doing what they're doing and will not try to change the process. Okay, so that is one of the, so that's one of the point counterpoints. But I, I personally think that the problem is serious enough of, uh, the problem of uh, global warming is serious enough yeah. that we have to use an all of the above method. Uh, right. And that I think we should change the process when we can, but that they should go in parallel and eventually the best man wins, so to speak, uh, to the extent that anyone wins. They may stay in parallel for a long time. Uh, uh, so, yes, and, and going back to your premise, exactly right. Uh, Europe has got more firm uh, regulations in this space. Uh, they've got a cap-and-trade system which sets a price on carbon. The last time I looked, and I really haven't looked in the last couple of weeks, but it's probably not changed a whole lot, uh, it was around 45 euros a metric ton right. of CO2, uh, right. which is about 53 $55, depending on what the rate is. Uh, and at that price, exactly what you said, at that price, uh, we had a tipping point on capture cost. Uh, capture cost is heading below $40 US dollars uh, a, a ton, uh, heading well towards 30 by a year or two at the most. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so at those numbers, you got headroom for the storage part. Okay. So what do I mean by that? Capturing is not good enough. You can't let it go poof. You got to do something with it to store it. Uh, right. It's like the dog chasing the squirrel. What happens? No, I've got the squirrel. Now what do I do? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So getting the squirrel is going to be cost effective. Then the, it, the focus is to shift to how do you put it away. But yes, okay. so I think we have definitely reached a tipping point on capture. Uh, there's work to be done on storage, but uh, but some of it's already happening, and that's a whole discu discussion. Okay, yeah, and I'm not sure if that squirrel thing is like a metaphor you've ever heard before. I've never heard anyone <laughs> use that before. So if you're expecting our listeners to know, I don't know about you catch the squirrel, then you got to keep the squirrel. I would imagine both are difficult tasks to catch. <laughs> squirrel and a cage a squirrel but is that a, is that a metaphor you use frequently or is that no never no our dog chases squirrels and i've always wondered what the heck she was going to do once it actually caught it <laughs> okay okay no plan in mind no plan it's, in it's, mind. It, you were probably the same way i'm famous at work for making up metaphors all the time on the fly that are completely unnecessary um you're probably the same way it might have been you on on the fly there so you're saying um look you capture it you got to store. We talked about uh, storing underground. We talked about ExxonMobil's project in the in the Houston Ship Channel. Um, what's the most you know in this space? You, you've been really clear. You said, look, when it's changed the process, you actually expect new firms to dominate. Solar, wind, we're seeing that. You talked about how the CEO of ExxonMobil came out and said, look, we don't have a core competency in some of these technologies. It doesn't make sense for us to get in there. On the flip side capture and storage helps the majors because their traditional means of production can become economical if you have to pay the carbon tax or ethical if investors are demanding a different approach. We, can, we can't predict the future. We might see that. So how do you see that netting out? Do you think that concern 
from, like you said, what you what you described as the the very far left wing, do you think that's a, use, a valid concern, or did you, you you previously said, hey, actually, it's an you know, let's take all comers here to help this problem? Yeah, I don't think it's a concern for the all comers reason in the sense that we're so behind the eight ball on carbon mitigation that right. we have to do it all. Okay, so right. so I don't have any concerns on that. But getting back to your point about competency. Yes, as I told you last time, uh, Exxon or Shell getting into uh, solar doesn't make any sense because they don't have core competence in that space. But on carbon capture, they do. Okay, They don't have the process. Upstarts are going to come up with the processes. So let me, uh, so I will tell you this, and we can go deeper into it, but the chemical engineering required to capture carbon uh, economically uh, we use something, and I'll get in a little bit of jargon, called process intensification. Now, what process intensification is very simple. Uh, uh, most processes have economies of scale. You know that as mm. an economist, okay? Right. In order to get the cost down, you got to be big. Yeah. Right? Uh, what the chemical engineering has been working on, the chemical engineering uh, people have been working on, is... Uh, how can you get cost down even for small scale? Okay, to do that, you have to radically change the kinetics of the reaction. Uh, so radically changing the kinetics is called process intensification. You make the process okay. more intense. Okay? okay, that is what's going on. That is the single most important technology in reaching the tipping point. Okay, that is allowing uh, carbon to be captured at practically any scale. You don't need giant plants, okay? That's point one. Point two, and here's the interesting point for the super majors, not so much for the little independent oil companies, but for the majors and super majors. The majors and super majors are all involved in refining. Hmm. Refining has a core competency in chemical processing. Hmm. They would easily understand what is involved in this process intensification method that the upstart is bringing to them. They right. could easily operate it. They would. They have the core competency in that space. They didn't just think of it, that's all the upstart did, okay? But they will quickly understand it and get high competency and probably go beyond the upstart in understanding. This is why they would be missing a bet if they didn't jump on it because they have the core competency in this space. Okay, so how does it work though? I'm I'm just not familiar with the development here. Um, how much co-development happens? Because what you're describing here is that hey, the super majors they're all about scaling. They're all about building efficient processes at scale. The upstarts are innovating new techniques. They're they're in they're really in the lab. They're 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 taking wilder bets. Um, there's a sorting process. Now they start making some deals with the super majors. How much is it is it the engineers on both sides really co-developing versus buying a finished solution? No, it's not co-developing. Uh, uh, see, take take some major operations like liquefied natural gas. Okay, moving natural gas in yeah. liquid form. Only about four or five. Shell is the leader in it, and only about three or four others can do it. Take something called converting natural gas into liquids. Uh, it needs huge plants, needs great capital f- and financing, okay. blah, blah, blah. So that means only the big boys can do it. So, okay. so they kind of stuck to doing what they know to do and what they have the big competency in. Okay. Little stuff like process intensification 
is not something they would have chosen to go to normally. Their engineers I wouldn't see. have. I see. But when it's presented to them, they will understand it. That's the point. But I see. but so to your question, they would be presented with the finished package. I see. But I see. They have the inherent competency to even improve it. They, ah. Yes. Uh, yes. I see. So what what are some of the hard, hottest startups? I mean, you're you're in the space. What are some of the what are some? Of, you say it's a tipping point. There's got to be something that you're thinking of that, that it's close it's really close like maybe a specific companies or specific technologies that could give us an idea of really what you're on about here yes there are specific companies i suppose it doesn't hurt to name names because i'm not advertising i'm just mentioning it there's a, a, a company in london called carbon clean uh and and by the way they got financed by some pretty clever people uh, uh part of their financing came from the uh from the venture arm of one of the major oil companies. Okay. I see. Yes. I see. Yes. So, I uh, see. and so that's another point. Uh, I know of at least three that I am directly in. I know, I know of at least three private equity firms. One of them really large, that believes they can invest, co-invest in green and making money. Okay. okay. So this goes back to the fundamental question you asked. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm here to tell you that private equity believes it can be done, and is doing it. Okay. Okay. And private equity is financing people like Carbon Clean and many others. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, it's all coming together where the money to do it is there. Uh, so one of them is Breakthrough Energy Ventures, which. Uh, uh, is originally financed by Bill Gates. Another one is called EV Private Equity uh, in 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 Stavanger in Norway. Uh, another is called Rhapsody in in Boston. Uh, and you know there are a slew of these who feel and of course they're searching for the right opportunities. I'm not saying every one of them is going to meet yeah. that guideline, but I'm saying it is not far fetched. People yeah. putting their money down on investment yeah. are saying, I think we can do this. Well, it it sounds like that's what when you're saying is a tipping point. Is it akin to solar, where we saw the private money really coming in heavily about ten years ago, if I'm not incorrect, and then we see now the real change in the market price uh, of of solar, whereas. Prior to 2010, it was government funded. It was really not something you would do if you were interested in making money. It was something you would do if you were interested in it per se. But it was not. There was not a rabid investment culture around it. So you're saying with carbon capture, that's the tipping point you're talking about. And then you would expect then, if everyone's right with their projections, you believe the science is real. The investors believe the science is real. Clearly, they put their money where their mouth is. You would then expect in the next. How many years for this to start really impacting the world? Well, that, that, I would say in the next five to ten years, but but wow. but okay. but uh, it'll start within two. But but here's okay. the thing: you made an important point. The upstarts who have invented the processes cannot scale. Mm-hmm. They can't scale to the next extent needed no, by no. the world. Okay, so it needs the big folks to walk mm. in. And make it scale. Yeah. And 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 I'm here to say they should do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because it'll be good yeah. for them. It will be. <clears throat> they can meet the green targets as well as make money. Uh, so, but yes, for scaling, 
it's, it's a little example is a good one. You go, we're going to need uh, major players to step in uh, because major capital we need to, to truly scale it. But interesting. But uh, I, uh, but uh, but I think it can get done. But don't forget, we're still talking capture. Uh, these folks then have to pay attention to the storage part as well. Interesting. Well, it 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 does sound like that this ties us back into this Exxon board fight. And we'll talk about it maybe in the next episode, the decision in the Netherlands where I said around Shell and, and setting targets for them to, to have a serious mitigation of their greenhouse gases, where we say, okay, there's going to be a major role for the super majors. If there's a major role for them to play, that's also a major business to be had. Those two things go together. They're important in the process because they're big producers of energy and they're big producers of energy that can be cleaned up but the cleanup scale and the cleanup process is something they know best, right? You said there's, it, it's sort of staggering. I think what you said, there's only three or four companies in the world that know how to liquefy natural gas, you know, and that can do it. Know how to is one. Can do it is another, I should say. Can do it. Um, you can know how to from a textbook, but can you do it? So interesting. Anything we missed on this topic before we close off? Yeah, I, I don't think that we missed anything, but... I do want to underline the storage aspect of the CO2. Okay. And and last time we did discuss Exxon putting it into geologic reservoirs, and that is feasible. Uh, but my favorite is what's called mineralization, where the CO2 is reacted with a mineral uh, to form a carbonate. And then it's there for millions of years after that. Oh, thousands for and who's counting after that uh, because right, right. it's a firm compound that uh, that will not dissociate under unless under very funny conditions so uh, so mineralization is my my favorite and folks are addressing that uh, but it's the next hurdle and but I feel very confident that that'll happen the capture part was the more tricky bit uh, mm. uh, this because for one, so to begin with, we already have what Exxon and BP and Shell are doing, which is put it in underground reservoirs uh, right. that that already exists. Uh, it's not my preferred alternative, but it can be done for three to five dollars mm. a metric ton or something like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but uh, my favorite would be mineralization, and I okay. think that's the area of focus. Well, yeah, no, I think that that's, I mean, certainly turning into effectively a rock and digging a hole and tossing the ground sounds like a really ideal solution. Well, look, we thank you. I thank you for your time today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We remind you, uh, you can see if you're on YouTube, in the description below is how to follow us on podcast channels uh, of your of your choosing. If you're on a podcast, hit follow, hit subscribe. As you know, if you put a comment on the YouTube channel, we respond to it with 100% probability. So we like the engagement and we continue, continue to appreciate the support. And until then, we'll see you next time. 